Hi, I'm Elizabeth Noyce, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. McGurk! I love not typing. not messing my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? It's being, becoming a human burrito, a plus or a minus. I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Here I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this show. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. It's so fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Yes! Guess what? We've got people here. We can go ahead and get started. Uh, my name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm one of the co hosts of uh, Supergirl Radio, which is a podcast about. Supergirl. Uh, we cover the Supergirl TV series and all things Cars Oral. Really, we talk about comics, we talk about uh, the movies, the upcoming uh, Flash movie that's coming out, the Helen Slater that uh, came out in 1984. Um, so we talk about all things Supergirl. So if you like Superman the Animated Series, you like JLU, or um, uh, anything related to Supergirl, we try to cover it. And that's a lot because she's been around since 1959. Um, so that's where I'm coming from, from a super, super family perspective. I also have a YouTube uh, channel, uh, youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. I know that's kind of strange. Um, but uh, on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, I do live streams where I go over the critical reception of Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Uh, so if you're into film criticism and uh, analyzing that stuff from an art criticism standpoint, it's actually pretty fascinating because you'd be really surprised about how stupid some of those reviews are. Uh, it's pretty bad considering a lot of people pulled their uh, thoughts about Batman v Superman from Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, the top critics did not know what they were talking about if you actually read through those reviews. So if you're interested in that, I just I talk about film criticism and, and how we review films and cinema. Um, so that's what I do. So if you want to hang out with me on Sunday nights, you can do that. And um, I have a great volunteer here. Uh, Charles, you want to tell us about yourself? Hello, my name is uh, Charles. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a DC and I'm, 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 a, I'm kind of a DC nerd. Um, uh, Same here. Yeah, I'm, I'm only up here because, you know, my two homies, you know, they, they, <laughs> they, they, they forced me to do it. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I remember when I first saw Metal Steel, I thought, like, wow, this is way better than Transformers. Like, wow. <laughs> wow. And, uh, I was like, and I was hyped when they were doing a shared universe, like with Marvel. And uh, I remember uh, when I heard news of Batman v Superman, I was like, wow, I, I gotta see this. Like, like I mean, and I know it's kind of weird because it came up. So they came out the same year as um, Civil War, and there's a lot of comparisons. Um, um, even though I like DC a little better, um, uh, it's kind of hard to choose between uh, choose between the the two. But um, yeah, but um, I thought they were both good movies, and I thought they both did uh, what they were supposed to do. Um, but uh, yeah, I know. Um, yeah, I remember like what really got me into Superman was like when Superman Returns came out, and um, I watched the documentary of the science of Superman. That's what really got me into Supermans, and uh, I started watching uh, shows like Smallville, which really like, got me hooked into the DC. Then, um, then, um, um, then um, I uh, remember I um, 
I bought Superman Returns on DVD and I bought the game and I was just blown away by um, you know the detail they put into each action scene whenever he does when Superman is out there doing the thing so you know so um, yeah you know it's uh, it's nice and this is my first time doing this so, so uh, <laughs> you're doing a great job yeah. and uh, one of the reasons that I wanted to open it up to everybody is uh, because I've been I've been doing this for a long time. And um, I would go to Dragon Con every year. I still go to Dragon Con every year. And uh, boy, did people at Dragon Con hate Zack Snyder movies. Oh, they just hate them. They just hate them. And um, one after one panel that I did, uh, we I think it was after Batman v Superman came out, and, and or maybe it was after Man of Steel came out. And um, there was just so much negativity about Man of Steel. Everybody in the room hated it, but me. I felt like. And then when after it was over, um, two people came up to me, like really quiet, like they, they were kind of whispering, like they didn't want other people to know it. And they told me how much they loved Man of Steel and how much they really connected with some of the characters. There was this woman uh, who told me this sweet story about how she had a, a, a friend of hers who had a young son who had some, uh, I, I think it was Asperger's syndrome, and how he had trouble and she connected to the scene with uh, uh, Martha Kent, I always have to think Martha Wayne and Martha Kent, Martha Kent um, and young Clark in the school in Man of Steel and how she kind of coaxes him out of the room um, because everybody's been kind of mean, he hears it and sees everything um, and he's scared. And I thought that that was such a really interesting connection point um, for those people that they couldn't talk about that with all the hatred that was going around and all the negativity. Um, but I thought that was such a sweet thing that somebody connected to those characters based on something that, from their real life. And so it's been kind of my passion for the last 10 years to try to give voice to people who actually like this stuff because a lot of it's been drowned out. Um, so I welcome anybody to share your thoughts. If you love Man of Steel, this is your time to do it. The haters and the negativity, they've had their time. So if you have thoughts you want to share, please share them. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so first off, I just want to say, um, for Zack Snyder, uh, okay, for going to Zack Snyder, I can understand his, the way he does his films, I can understand why some people have issues with it. There are some moments that, yes, they are, the way he directs them aren't really that great. You can tell, like, there are some moments, like, they just don't work. But then when there are some moments that when he does try his best, it, it really does good. I mean, you could say the same with Mike, with someone like Michael Bay. Now, although then again, most more people hate. I will say we all can hate more of Michael Bay's movies than Snack Snyder's stuff, you know. And but uh, but and then but so and I, I like Snack Snyder. And not every project of his works, and there are some stuff that he directs them and all. Just didn't it just didn't look good. But 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 I still enjoy some stuff. But going to Man of Steel for 10 years, when I first saw Man of Steel, I gotta understand why people didn't like, didn't like this as a good Superman. And, and I'm not saying it's perfect. It, it will never be as good as the first two Supermans of Christopher Reeve. That is, that's by far, let's, uh, let's face it, those movies were, are magical and they're basically perfect, you know. They're a little, uh, I, I know, it's like at the time it's a little bit cheesy, you know, but they're still unique and not what makes Superman unique, you know. I, I get the direct, uh, where they're going, and I like it, but there's no denying there are some issues that that just didn't seem well aware, which was mostly the way the editing is for the film. I mean, I mean, it just felt like a little, they tried to, to be too much like Batman Begins with the whole flashbacks and all that, which honestly, 
wasn't really executed well. And then also the product placements. I'm sorry, I cannot mm -hmm. deal with all those product placements. Oh, one minute during IHOP. Oh, there's a Sears. Let's join U-Haul over there. Let's destroy 7-Eleven. They were like, they were like going, it was like one minute Michael Bay just came in and just put all his advertisement in there. Does anybody else have any uh, thoughts that they want to share about like after they saw Man of Steel for the first time? Uh, well, I actually got a question. Yeah. Making sure that I'm not wrong. Man of Steel, who was the, who was the, the villain in that one? General Saw. Uh, General yeah. Saw, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Saw was right. Yes. Yeah. All right. So, uh, how did y'all feel about, like, because he killed him mm. instead of, like, putting him in the Phantom Zone? You know what I'm saying? Like, well, how do y'all Well, he tried to. Oh, you tried to? Yeah, oh, I yeah. mean, that was the initial plan, is that everybody was going to go into the Phantom Zone. Zone. And uh, General Zod was not part of that um, when uh, they were fighting. So uh, then there was this alternate situation where he had to deal with it when he couldn't put them in there. Uh, um, so, okay. yeah. So, so initially, in the, in the film, that, that that's the plan, that all the Kryptonians are supposed to go into the Phantom Zone. But, right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes, the biggest yeah um, Charles, do you have any... Uh, thoughts about that, about Superman having to make the tough decision to um, snap uh, Oh, neck. Uh, well, well, yeah, I, um, when I, f I remember when I first watched the scene, I actually felt sorry for Zemazah because he was just trying, he was just trying to save his people. But the problem was um, Kryptonian society that there were uh, program they didn't really have free will, like they, like they were like born into a cast and they couldn't really get out of it. So, um, uh, in a way, um, I believe um, it was a. Yeah, I understand why people hate it. The people that oh no, Superman doesn't kill. Well, that's. Uh, well, that's, well, that depends on what Superman yeah, yeah, you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's killed many times. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, I see, and it's usually General's eye. You could yeah. say the same with Batman and a too. bunch of civilians. Yeah, go, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, okay. That's that, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, so in Man of Steel. Yes, it is true that one could say he was a bit reckless, but you need to understand that this is his first time being Superman. Like, he's still learning um, to, you know, um, to yeah. He's he's recently like discovered some of his powers, like flight, you know, and um, and what Zack Snyder's version of Man of Steel, they're trying to humanize him. Like, if a human being had his powers, for instance, if someone was like about to kill your mom, you know, this one person you love, how would you react? That's, uh, yeah, it's just, um, and, um, and, and he, remember, again, this is his early years as Superman, so yeah, of course, you know, he's gonna make mistakes, you know, because he was raised by humans, and he was, um, and uh, he um, only, and he only knows how to deal with his emotions uh, the way a human normally would, and add, you know, God's like powers to it, yeah, there's gonna be casualties. Um, um, and I, 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 I know that's one main reason why people hate, hate the movies, and I, I understand that. I, 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 I'm not mad at you if you say, oh, wow, uh, uh, wow, uh, this is supposed to be Superman, he just, he just murdered um, all those people. And, but but um, again, and this is probably a limit excuse, it wasn't intentional, and um, um, he's, um, I want to say the end is due to justify the means because, like, if you're fighting for the first time in your life, this other being who's as strong as you, how would you deal with it? You know, like, you know, you, you do it the best way you do it the best way you can. So, um, yeah, he's gonna make mistakes. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was funny after the first time that I saw it. I saw it on a Thursday night. 
uh, like preview screening before it came out. You know, they usually do those for fans or people who are really interested in it. And so I remember seeing it, and when he snapped his neck, I thought, oh, people are going to hate this. And then right after, what I think saves that moment for me is that he falls to his knees and he cries out, and it's this like huge guttural scream. And it's not something he wanted to do. He hated to do it. Um, he felt terrible about it. I mean, this was the guy who was the last of his kind. He, he goes through this whole journey in the film where he's trying to figure out who he is. He goes, uh, you know, up into Canada and finds the, you know, the, sh the ship that eventually becomes his fortress of solitude. And um, he's, he's traveling the world trying to figure out who he is and who is, you know, what his uh, powers can do. And so then he finally meets people who are like him. And they force him into this situation where he has to make a really tough decision. And one of the things that I, I wanted to do on this panel is talk about um, how Man of Steel updated Superman for a modern audience. Mm -hmm. And I think that what, that can be one of the things that you could talk about is that it, it makes it so that Superman is not fitting in like a little box. Uh, David S. Gorier, who's the screenwriter for Man of Steel, he, before the film came out, he would do these interviews where he talked about how Superman was encased in amber. You know, like if you see Jurassic Park and you see the little, I, I forget what it is. The, the mosquito. Yeah, the mosquito that's in amber. And like, that was Superman for such a long time that you could not, you couldn't bend him, you couldn't write him any kind of different way. He was just this one thing that had to be in this box. And what I think Man of Steel did, and especially with that moment, is that it, it opened the door for Superman to make hard decisions. Sometimes Superman, in some stories, he's just he does the safe and easy thing because oh you don't you don't want to kill people so we have to do the safe and easy thing. And, and this was a tough decision that even in the real world, police officers have to deal with, military people have to deal with. This is not something that you know is just a Superman thing. These are people who I mean just because a police officer or a, a military personnel has to make a tough decision, does that make them a horrible person? I mean, Superman is put in this situation where General Zod is going to heat vision a family of four, like straight up heat vision murder these people. Yeah. You know, and what, what is Superman supposed to do in this situation? He's already tried to fly him up into space and keep him up there, and he can't contain him, and General Zod says, I'm never gonna stop. So I actually kind of liked the way that they did that because it opened up the door to, to allow, at least allow Superman to go into a situation where he could make a tough decision. And it, to me, that opens up storytelling for him, that opens up uh, characterization for him in a way that I don't think that happened before. I watch shows like Superman and Lois now on the CW, yeah. and that show... That show is allowed to be serious, in my opinion, because Man of Steel kicked that door down. If Man of Steel had not kicked that door down, you would just see Christopher Reeve-type mock-ups every time. You saw that with uh, Superman Returns. He was just trying to be Christopher Reeve. Um, and so I think that shows now are able to maybe not have him kill, but at least have him make tough decisions and be serious and have serious moments. I mean, Superman and Lois has some, had some really serious, tough things that they have had to deal with. And I don't think if Man of Steel existed, that probably would not have happened. Um, so I think one of the things that Man of Steel has done, uh, what, what it did, was um, allow Superman to get out of that, that amber <laughs> encasement and, and allow uh, people to tell different kinds of stories with him. 
Um, and uh, so I, I'd be curious to hear what you know other people think that it did to sort of update it for the modern audience. Uh, yeah, uh, a back in the blue. Yeah, so I mean, I thought I thought it was a pretty good movie. You know, I liked it. Um, one thing that I thought that they could have done a little bit differently, and that, that they tried to maybe correct a little bit in Batman versus Superman, was you know, kind of like the mindless destruction of tens of thousands of people that were in Metropolis, right? Superman can hear everything. He can see everything. You know, and if you remember back in like Superman 2, when you know they started going kind of against the populace of Metropolis, you could, you know, it was like really bothering Superman. He tried to change locations, but you know, even after the world engine was destroyed, you know, he just kind of kept the fight in Metropolis. And I know there's the the four person family, right? But you know, what about the hundred thousand people that got killed and you know the few minutes before that? I think I think. Technically, according to canon, I think it was only like three to five thousand. Technically, according to like BBS. If you look how it was handled in in Batman vs Superman, in that kind of like 9/11 type scene, you know, with Bruce Wayne at the beginning of the movie, right? They added a lot of emotion to all that destruction, but I felt like they kind of like glossed over that a little too much. Uh, the other thing that you know, out of out of that movie, and maybe you know the ones that followed it, you know, usually with Superman, it's either. It's Superman pretending to be Clark Kent, or it's Clark Kent pretending to be Superman. I never really figured out, you know, what their take was. I really like Cavill in the role. I think he does a really good job with it. I don't know if he's always had the greatest, you know, scripts and editing and everything else to go along with it. You know, but that's that's something I never really got a sense of. There wasn't as much differentiation between Clark Kent and Superman. Why does there have to be? Uh, well, it's it, otherwise. Aren't they the same it's not guy? A it's not unless it's somehow magical, right? It's not a disguise, right? If you if you look the same and you act the same, you know, you have to have some really unintelligent people around you to not eventually figure it out, right? <laughs> yeah. So many jokes. So, yeah. well, can, can I address this kind of real quick? Um, so, the, the destruction. I'm curious. Have you ever seen the um, uh, the animated uh, fight between Superman and Shazam? Uh, like the one where he says. He, 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 where Shazam says Shazam has the lightning bolt go through Superman. That they part, throw each right? other through buildings yeah. in that. Um, so what I what I thought was great about the way that Man of Steel uh, executed the fight sequences is that it showed that there were real consequences to what that would be like. If you had two Kryptonians, oh, yeah. there would not just be, oh, well, we, we're not going to destroy any buildings and nothing would happen. There would be the buildings destroyed. That there would be consequences to that. They have the they're the most powerful beings in the universe, in the DC universe. I'm sure some people might disagree with that, but Kryptonians, I believe, are the most powerful beings in the universe. And um, there would be consequences to that. I like that it wasn't played as if it would be unbelievable. That to me is believable. The way that. The film sh showcases like when they hit each other, there are shockwaves that come with that. Yeah. Um, and so I appreciated that from the standpoint of nobody's talking down to me about this. You know, somebody is actually showing me what this would look like. And they took great uh, strides to talk about in the behind the scenes stuff. Zack Snyder talks about how they created a um, power list so they would know like if Superman gets, you know, hit like this, it's going to feel feel like this, like it's gonna it's gonna have a certain amount of weight to it, or if Superman does this, it's gonna, you know, have a little more weight to it. You know, it's gonna have different power um, that's gonna come with it. You know, when he gets uh, shot with a, a, a 
what is that, a missile from the plane, how is it going to impact him? Um, so there's all that that's taken into consideration with that. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't bother me because, to your point about Batman v Superman, we see that there were people on the ground saving people. It wasn't just up to Superman to do yeah. that. Now, of course, we don't see some of that. Well, no, we do see some of that in Man of Steel. Um, Perry and Jenny and um, Steve Lombard have to help each other. Um, so that, to me, I thought was actually really cool because then you can see that there, it's not just Superman. Superman's doing the heavy lifting because he's the only one who can. But there are people on the ground just like it would be in real life. And that's what I like about this in terms of a modern audience. It's trying to show what it would be like if Superman was real. Some of the other interpretations of Superman is that it's kind of a fantasy, it's kind of a cartoonish thing, or it's kind of a, um, you know, it's it, almost like a fairy tale. It's not, you know, in the real world. Um, and so I think what Man of Steel was trying to do was to show what it would be like if we walked out of these buildings and there was a real guy wearing a cape and flying around and shooting the heat vision out of his eyes, what would that be like to the world? Um, and so I think that that's one of the things that's really cool is that not only do we get to see Superman save the world in that awesome uh, world engine moment where he you know, crashes that, you know, that uh, John Peters mechanical spider that he finally got in Man of Steel, um, but uh, we get to see three normal human beings helping each other and comforting each other when they thought they were going to die. So um, to me, I like the real world aspect of that, and it doesn't bother me so much because a lot of those buildings, I'm pretty sure, were evacuated. Perry, um, you know, when uh, things are happening, Perry tells the Daily Planet staff, okay, it's time, we got to go. Um, and so you see people out in the streets. And so um, I just like it because it, it feels like it, it would, it's an actual take on what it would be like if Superman was real. Yes, in the back. Yes, um, how do you feel about the future now about Superman and the whole thing with the, what just happened and everything? In terms of the Flash movie or, or the, the, the Black Adam? Like, uh, Henry Cavill, you know, the whole rebooting thing. Right. Yeah, I have thoughts on that, but I'm going to pass it to Charles first because I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts. Well, uh, so what I know about the Flashpoint um, um, storyline, uh, as we all know, unfortunately, Harry Cavill will no longer be reprising the role as Superman. Uh, so I think what they're going to do is, because I don't know if any of you read the, the comic or watched the anime movie. Um, so, um, so what happens is the Flash goes back in time. Um, to save his mom uh, from being killed by, I believe, the, the reverse Flash, or um, and I never, I never read the comic, but I believe it was, it was the reverse Flash. I, I think it is. You're right. Yeah, yeah, um, and um, and that creates ripples through time, and you know, like, uh, like you know, and so that that's why the Bruce Wayne dies, and his father becomes Batman, and his mom becomes the Joker. And another, another major um, um, like time events that uh, would uh, eventually prove um, catastrophic to the future of humanity, like um, Atlantis and um, Atlantis and fight, and that's destroying the world. So the Flash, you know, came to his senses, went back in time to stop himself from saving his mom. Then um, that reset the whole um, universe. So I believe they're going to use that to 
to reboot the DCEU as well. I, and personally, I think that's kind of a smart move because um, that way, because to my shock, they actually want Ezra Miller as the Flash, despite what he did. Um, um, uh, so at least that way, they can st even though it's a rebooted universe, they can still keep Ezra Miller, but have different people uh, play as these iconic heroes, you know, as in uh, Batman, Superman, and Superman, uh, Wonder Woman. Yeah, just to answer your question, um, I have really uh, sour feelings about Warner Brothers. Um, I think um, they, and of course, uh, you wouldn't expect, I guess, movie executives to be the most upstanding people, I guess. Um, but um, the way that they treated Zack Snyder during the Justice League stuff, where they basically shoved him out the door when his, after his daughter committed suicide, I thought that was one of the most disgusting things I've ever heard of. Um, and then uh, they did kind of a, sim not to that degree, but a very similar thing to Henry Cavill, Cavill where they instructed him to tell everybody that Superman was coming back, that he would be Superman again. And then not too long after that, they yanked him from the universe and said, nope, you got to hang up the cape. You're not in this anymore. And I just thought that that was, that was low. That was low class. Um, so I, I'm not real, <laughs> real keen on them uh, at the moment. I, I think they could show a little more um, uh, compassion and understanding with people, even if that wasn't the direction that they wanted to go anymore. Um, and my opinion about the Henry Cavill thing, I, and he's my favorite Superman. Uh, he, he's, he's, he's the first time I've ever seen a Superman be the kind of Superman I wish he was. He trusts Lois, he doesn't lie to Lois. Um, he actually, um, I just, the, the thing, the way he's portrayed is just, I, I never got to really, really see a Superman I really connected with until Henry Cavill. So for him not to be there anymore and to be so unjustly let go like that is um, devastating for me personally, but, um, but I understand what they're doing. Like I understand that they don't want to go that route anymore and so they're trying to start over. Uh, my confusion though is that they're getting rid of some people and keeping other people. And so I would, uh, <laughs> my thing is if you want to reboot it, I understand you want to reboot it, then completely reboot it. Don't keep Amanda Waller, you know, um, uh, the keep, keep Amanda Waller from the DCEU. Don't keep the Flash, Ezra Miller's The Flash. Don't keep, you know, Jason Momoa's Aquaman. Get rid of everyone and start completely over. Um, and so it doesn't sound like that's what they're doing. It sounds like it's like a mix of things, so um, I'm very confused about it, I guess. I'm open-minded, but very confused. Forget they also yeah, in the back? Well, I'm kind of confused on the direction they're going, because again, I, I'm not as heavy in the as you guys are, but I do love Man of Steel. <laughs> um, but I, my take on this whole rebooting thing was the universe was changing more to focus on Supergirl because they're having a different take on Supergirl and that whole timeline is a lot different that has, you know, Clark Kent totally in a different place where he's not really the Superman like you think it is and it's focusing more on her. So I kind of saw like, oh, I see why they're putting him out because maybe they're going in the direction of her. So. Yeah, I don't think any of us really know. Um, I'm sure James Gunn has a plan. Um, he's kind of announced the things that he wants to do, and one of those things is a Supergirl movie, which I'm actually very excited about. Supergirl: Woman of Tomorrow is one of the best comic books I've ever it's read. It's different. She's not the icon. Well, we don't know that. We don't know that either. That's that's still kind of up in the air. Um, but yeah, so the. Um, 
I'm, so, I'm sorry, I just blanked on what you were talking about. Uh, repeat just a small sample of what you just said. Oh, I was just saying that her hair was... Oh, yes, so Supergirl. Um, so what I had heard originally was that they wanted to reboot the universe and have Supergirl and Batgirl kind of fill in for Superman and yeah. Batman. Yeah. That I think was the original thing, but then they scrubbed the Batgirl movie. Um, and so I don't know if those plans have changed. Uh, there's definitely a Supergirl in the Flash movie, which I'm really excited about. Um, I am a little nervous about how that's going to go down because I don't know um, what that says about where Henry Cavill's Superman is. Uh, I guess TBD at the moment uh, until we all see it. Um, but uh, I think that was the initial plan was that Supergirl was going to kind of take up that space. But as a Supergirl fan, I have actually kind of find that a little insulting. It's like Supergirl and Superman are completely different characters. I know they both wear the S and I know they're both Kryptonian, but they're not they're yeah. not just irreplaceable. You know, they're not replaceable. They're yeah, not. not you, you cannot interchange them, and I I, I find that uh, insulting on behalf of Superman and Supergirl. I don't I don't like that. Um, but uh, but that's kind of what I think they were going to do. Um, but I think the Flash movie is going to be a good indication of where things are heading. They know more about it than we do, of course. Um, so I guess that's we'll we'll see it when it happens. Yeah, I was sad when Henry Cavill was let go. That was. That, yeah, that hurt me a lot. Yeah, I just kind of felt like, you know, those, uh, some people think that, uh, like, Man of Steel and Batman v Superman and, and some of the films that followed didn't make any money, and they were actually way more profitable than Phase 1 of the MCU. Um, so I, I kind of think that it would be nice for Warner Brothers just to give him one last hurrah, you know, one last, you know, kind of thing. Um, but who knows, who knows what's going to happen. There were so many projects that Henry Cavill could have been in in Superman. I know they had so much planned for him but you know like because you know like you know ever since Justice League and I was like oh let's just how about we focus on all these other solo characters and I think that's the that may I mean that's probably one of the reasons why we just don't see as much of Henry Cavill Superman and then of course you have uh, all these others like especially with the CW like they introduced their own Superman and mm -hmm. everybody fell in love with Taylor Hitchett I mean I love Taylor uh, He's a great Superman. But yeah, Ted, yeah. Uh, Tyler Hecklin. Yeah. Yes, and but you know, like uh, you know, like you said, like you know, we had so much promises for him, and you know, and when we saw the original, the true version of the Justice League, Snack Snyder one, you saw an act, uh, a very great accurate uh, Superman. Like you know, this was like you know, like Snack Snyder, like he had a, a whole plan for Superman. Like you know, he had this whole arc, and all, and now it's like. Okay, we're gonna throw all of this away. Uh, everything I had planned for for a lot of these projects that we I wanted to do was, oh god, oh you wanted to see Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Batman? Nope, that's going away because I mean, don't get me wrong, I love how we're getting Michael Keaton back as Batman. I mean, he's the greatest Batman of all time. So available, available. but he is one of the best though. He is one of the best. He, is a, he was my first Batman, so I have a special, special place in my heart. Me too. Yeah. Yes. Long enough for silver screen. Yeah. Um, yes. Can I bring you back to Man of Steel? Yeah, please. Oh, yeah, right. we'll, we'll we'll talk about favorite scenes and you know stuff like that. So uh, yeah, go ahead. I just wondered uh, having a different take on it with uh, Jonathan Kent passing away at some point. It was you know you go back and back and forth, but having like both dads, you know, help out and go from one to the next. What's kind of the story there? Yeah, I think that's um, awesome, because if you think about it, the uh, dads are connected. Jarrell and Jonathan are kind of connected because they both died early, um, and they both, um, well, Jarrell's murdered, and Jonathan you know, gives up his life to protect Clark's secret, but he, he grows up without both of them. 
Um, and then his mothers have a kind of a similar thing too because uh, Laura and Martha are both widowed. Um, and one of the things I loved about Man of Steel is that um, Laura on Krypton got a lot of screen time. She was very active. Um, you know, I, in the stories I've watched and seen, there's not a lot of focus on Laura. There's a lot of focus on Jarrell, but you don't see her much. And she was the one who uh, made the decision to activate the ship to send him to Earth. Uh, she's the one who stands, you know, and is there when uh, General Zod is uh, sentenced and sent to the Phantom Zone. Um, and I just really love that portrayal of her. Um, and so the, the moms are connected and the fathers are connected. And um, Jarrell is actually, I, I like the Taken Man of Steel because um, he's usually an artificial intelligence most often depicted like in the Fortress of Solitude where you, you know, put the crystal in and he starts talking. Um, but I thought this one was, yeah. and I guess the same kind of thing happens in Man of Steel where he puts the command key in and that sort of activates the ship. Um, but he, that AI is so clever and, uh, you know, you could, you could nitpick it and think, well, predictive text right you know? yeah I mean you could nitpick it like well why didn't he get an AI of Laura like come on couldn't couldn't you have his mother there yeah so you could nitpick it that way but um, one of my favorite scenes in all of the film is the sequence where uh, Superman and Lois Lois Lane got to go to space and that is like the coolest thing because um, uh, that never pretty much never happens maybe it's happened in some Silver Age story that I've never read but um, Lois Lane going to space is like the coolest thing and shooting Kryptonian weapons, by the way. Um, but she, uh, uh, Lois gets to meet Jarrell, and she interacts with Jarrell, and Jarrell helps her off the ship. And I just, I think the way that they utilized him was uh, just executed really well because he not only helped Clark or Cal um, find himself and understand himself better, um, but he's also very um, connected to him finding his ability to be Superman. Um, you know, he helps him, you know, uh, sends him off to save Lois after she's gone on the escape pod and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so I really love Jarrell and Laura in there, and I think that they are used in a really uh, great way to explain, uh, explain uh, Kryptonian culture and heritage that I think you mentioned. Um, I mean, that Kryptonian sequence at the beginning is like 20 minutes long. So I would say that's the most world-building I've seen from Kryptonian. I mean, they had, um, yeah. The culture and uh, whatever, genetics, you know, stuff like that. A lot of stuff was new, to yeah. me at least. Yeah, um, a, lot, a lot of it's borrowed from like the John Byrne Man of Steel from back in the 80s. So like the Genesis Chamber and, and things like that um, are, you can, you can see some of that. What's new, I think, somebody can fact check me, but I think the idea that, um, Kal-El was the uh, first natural-born baby on Krypton. That might be new. I'd have to I'd have to research that. But um, I like the way that's used because it it basically makes Superman the embodiment of free will. He there's a there's a theme throughout the film where he's making these choices on his own free will. He's not. Um, I think he mentioned the caste system. Like on Krypton, they had to be warriors, or they had to be this, or they had to be this. Right. And so Superman is actually, he can find his own destiny. He can decide what he wants to be, what, what Superman means. Get the different jobs. Yep, yep. And, and you see that in the Kryptonian sequence with Zod and his, and his forces in the, in the High Council of Krypton, you know, those kinds of things. Um, so the Kryptonian stuff, I think, is excellent. Because to your point, to me, it feels like a real place where real living beings lived. Some of the other, like, more 
frozen Arctic uh, uh, Krypton depictions, it feels like nobody would actually really live there. Would you actually live? In that? I mean, maybe you would acclimate to a cold climate, I guess. Um, but they have like uh, Haraka, that big beast that Jor-El flies on to, you know, get from one place to. I mean, there's other animal living creatures there. Um, so maybe they didn't do the best job with their environment, and it kind of uh, went badly for them in the end. Um, but I do like that it uh, depicts real living, you know, it feels like a lived-in place. Um, and so I think that that's really cool. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I also like, I also like the odds uh, that Krypton is actually a mirror representation of what, um, what could happen to us if we're not careful. And I thought that that's a great, um, it's, a, it's a great message, you know, like, you know, like, yes, Superman's cool, and the idea of Superman himself is cool. I also like how it used Krypton to um, give us, uh, like, to show us our possible future if we're not careful, or um, if we, um, um, you know, like, if we like exhaust our resources, or um, we, we, we become too arrogant, or um, we don't, um, you know, uh, heed warning signs, and um, and uh, oh, and um, one uh, to answer your question. Uh, Jor uh, Kalel was actually the first to be born and first natural born to be born in centuries. Back in the past, they didn't allow it, but uh, I guess um, when they when Krypton advanced more, you know, they said, you know, this is this seems better, and well, obviously they were wrong. Um, but um, uh, yeah, I um, yeah, I, I thought that Krypton did like um, where we came up with the idea to help us dive more into Krypton. I think it's it's also um, it's also a great warning to us so that way we don't make the same mistake. And you might be like, oh no, it's science fiction. Well, how often does science fiction become uh, science fact? Because, you know, um, now we have, now we're getting close to flying cars. Now we're, um, um, now we have AI. Um, so uh, I think, I think that's, I think that's one great reason to delve more into Krypton, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I like your uh, use of the word arrogance. There was definitely some of that with some of the, and I like the uh, depiction of the High Council. You know, everything that they wear is like high. You know, it's like real frilly and um, uh, it, it's uh, uh, kind of gaudy, if, if you wanted my uh, taste. But everything is, you know, very, you know, we want to show ourselves being the High Council. We think we're better than all these people. And they and they didn't listen to Jarrell. Um, and so that was their downfall, is that they didn't, um, uh, they didn't let aside their arrogance and be humble. So I think that's a really uh, good point. The thing about Krypton that um, was pretty cool after Man of Steel came out, um, and I think one of the questions that I wanted to ask and talk about is um, Man of Steel's influence on other Superman media. And uh, not too long after Man of Steel came out, I can't remember the date, um, but Sci-Fi made a TV show called Krypton. Yeah, and only, yes. unfortunately, it lasted for two seasons. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think we get that version of Krypton because of Man of Steel. David S. Goyer was highly in involved with that. It was a little bit of a different um, story. It wasn't really tied to Henry Cavill's Superman, but um, but that that one really, if you've never seen uh, Sci-Fi's Krypton, it digs into a lot of Kryptonian things, and it's the Brainiac on that one, man, that that is good. Yeah. That Brainiac is good. Um, super creepy, um, but he is excellent. Um, but I think that was one of the things that came after Man of Steel that 
um, people liked that Kryptonian sequence, that Krypton sequence so much that they were like, well, let's make a TV show about it. Yeah. Um, so I thought that that was really cool. And, um, and was um, it Steppenwolf in it? Or is it not Steppenwolf, but the other uh, um, biker? Oh, Lobo. Lobo. Yes, Lobo. Yeah, main uh, man. Uh, Lobo. Yes, yeah, yeah. Lobo was great. They had yeah. actually did a pretty um, authentic, very... Um, Character correct, comic book accurate Lobo. He even has like the skull and the belt and everything. Um, so uh, Lobo's really good in that too. Um, yeah, so it's it's really interesting to me to look at how Man of Steel kind of influenced other things. I think you see a little bit of the influence in the comics. Um, I talk about the Supergirl TV series all the time. They 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 basically blatantly ripped off some shots for Man of Steel. Um, there's a there's a fight between Supergirl and Astro in the air where they're like punching each other, and I'm like, that's that looks like it's just a repackaged shot for Man of Steel. Um, what about when the, um, when Laura um, um, Kara is in the bar, just like in Superman three? Yeah, they, I mean, everything they borrowed, they borrowed from a lot of different Superman media, but Man of Steel, I think. Um, uh, the way that they would depict uh, Supergirl flying. Uh, early in season one, when they had a budget from CBS, after they uh, moved to the CW, they didn't have much of a budget anymore, and the effects were not as great. But in CBS, when they had lots of money, um, they would show, um, and I don't think this has been the case in any other Superman media, but the way that they, oh, the way that Zack Snyder chose to depict flight at the speed of sound was so awesome and they do that in uh, season one of Supergirl um, and the reason that it looks like that is uh, the way it looks kind of like uh, it has something coming off of him is that jets when they break the speed of sound it looks like that when the, to, for the jets and so it's an actual <laughs> realistic depiction of what it would look like if yeah if, if flight was really that powerful and that fast and um, so flight is one of those things that I think um, uh, Man of Steel also maybe modernized a little bit because also in Man of Steel, flight is kind of turbulent. You know, when Superman saves Lois and they're trying to get away from like being sucked in um, uh, into some things, and it's it's not like you know in Superman the movie when Superman and Lois are flying and she's reciting the poem. It's not like that. It's 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 turbulent and kind of chaotic and violent and. I actually like that because it shows like what it would be. Like. I mean, you, if you've ridden a if you've flown on a plane, you know that planes have turbulence all the time, and sometimes it's not pleasant. Uh, I've uh, I, I've had uh, bad turbulence before and uh, thought we were going to crash. So, <laughs> in flight at that a powerful level, um, if it's like that in an airplane, it would be even heightened. Um, so I really like the depiction of flight in Man of Steel, and I think that it made it uh, it. It, I think it inspired people to think about flight differently, I guess is what I'm trying to say, because I did see some of that in the Supergirl TV series as well. Um, I guess uh, as we're kind of heading into the home stretch of this, um, does anybody have any favorite scenes or moments in Man of Steel? Yeah. Well, I don't have a favorite moment, but I do remember watching Man of Steel. Apparently my brother and I took it, uh, my dad, to see it on uh, Father's Day, and here's the thing, he's an architect. So it was just hilarious seeing him nearly having a heart attack, seeing all the destruction when saw it in Super oh yeah, saw it in Superman were five. I just remember the moment. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine an architect is like, no, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. So I will admit one of my personal favorite. I will admit this is actually uh, one that the majority can agree on, 
is when Superman takes his first flight, like he's learning how to fly. I will admit that was executed. Granted, mm. some of the camera work was a little off, but for the most part, I like how he was seeing him for the first time, you know, learning to fly. Like, well, first yeah. he was jumping, trying right. to jump very high, yeah. and then... Just like how Superman. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then boom, just like that, he flies. So I will admit, at least we get to see him learning to fly and all. Um, yeah, unlike um, uh, Superman, where you know he's like, oh, Superman. I mean, I know they say he had years of training and all, but you know that was all off screen. Whereas Man of Steel, you actually get to see him fly, and I will admit that is pretty cool. And I'll seeing him for the first time, you know, like you know, doing like this, and you even see him smile. And all. Yeah, Henry Cavill Superman smiles. Don't listen to anybody else who says he doesn't. Uh, one of the things that's cool about that sequence um, is that he flies like over Africa, and you see the yeah. zebras and stuff. Um, that's uh, that's borrowed a little bit from Mark Wade's um, Birthright comic book. You see some of that. So some of the some of the comics are kind of making their way into that sequence, which is really cool. Um, I guess Charles, do you have a favorite scene in Man of Steel? Oh um, um, Okay. Uh, well, I actually have two. One with the flight scene, and the and the second one was when he fights General Zod. Yes. Like, um, so like. I got the idea that if Zack Snyder directed that was from Dragon Ball Z, <laughs> um, it would be great because when it, whenever Zod was Zod and Superman were fighting, I instantly saw Dragon Ball Z just the way they were punching and like. And um, what people uh, might not know is that they do do a form of martial arts between Zod and 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 and, and, and Superman. I was like, but it wasn't just like you know like throwing cars and just you know, smashing. No, there's actually take actual technique or effort put into to the fight scenes and that's one thing I like. Um, I know that it's also the scenes that some people hate because again, back to the topic of Superman destroying cities, but again, it's the first time being Superman, so it's natural to see. Um, so I believe it would make sense for him to do that. One year, when you, when you, when you, when it's your first time being Superman, you're fighting these like, beings who are as strong as you are. Yeah, it's, it's funny, everybody harps on the Man of Steel destruction, and um, uh, within the last couple of years, I went back to watch the Avengers, uh, the first Avengers. That <laughs> uh, the Hulk runs through an office building full of people, and no one talks about that, <laughs> uh, which I found way worse. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, th those are, I mean, the Zod-Superman fight at the end, the sort of the Battle of Metropolis, um, one of the coolest shots is actually when, I mean, Zod is like a mad dog at some point. He's like, like climbing up the buildings. Um, and so that's just very unique in the way that they would show that. And, and to your point about the different fight styles, um, General Zod is a general. Um, Man of Steel was the first time that, because like Terrence Stamp in Superman 2, like he's called General Zod, but is he really a general? I don't know. Um, but this one, like he's given orders to people. He's he's a good fighter. Um, and so I think he, I actually bought him as an actual general. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's go here. So yeah, with the with you said General Zod, right? So the speech he gave uh, Kal-El, Superman, when he basically was saying what you're saying about him being a general and him honing all his senses and that you know kyle hasn't really trained as you know how he has as being a general and i think that was like a really good point even though it wasn't like cool i guess but it was just how he said it, it was true yeah and it was just like wow like he learned how to levitate right then and there you know what, I, did, what did you grow up on a farm right yeah and, and, yeah. and 
and he and he just started flying right then and there, like yeah. honing all his senses and stuff like that. And then also my favorite scene was the first fight as well uh, was uh, when he was at his house. Oh yeah, so yeah, when he goes yeah, to find the codex and uh, he encounters Martha. Yep, and then it was good because it was really like three on one, and yeah. then that, until Zod left, and it was still two on one, and it was like. I like that it overpowered him as well, cause I I like I don't really like overpowered uh, protagonists, cause it kind of makes it kind of boring. But yeah, he was getting you know beat up, and then it was kind of you know then he comes back, you know. So it was like it wasn't too overpowered, and I liked it. Yeah, one of the the most memorable scenes in that sequence is that uh, Superman fled. Well, first of all. Martha Kent gets to tell General Zod to go to hell. And that's like, that's the coolest thing Martha Kent's ever done. Um, but then um, when it looks like Martha's going to be in trouble, Superman flies in so fast. And then he has that, you know, he takes him in the cornfield. You think you can threaten my mother? And that is such a good, that is such a good sequence. Now there is some destruction in that, you know, people go through silence. He said it while he was punching. Yeah, but uh, but but to see, but to see that uh, the what the speed of that uh, I think is pretty cool, and that's that's a young Kal-el fighting him too. That's our kind of a reckless Superman, just because he's so like it's emotional for him. His mother's being attacked. Um, so yeah, those are some good moments. Yeah, back in the back. Yeah, when I saw it in 2013, I loved the whole movie, and of course I got it on Blu-ray, and it definitely blew me away for this for the gener on today's generation. Superman. I, I, I always love Christopher Reeve's uh, first two. And I like the other two, too, because I was just a kid in the 80s, so I didn't know any better then. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, definitely, you know, Henry Cowell Superman took it to the next level, for sure. Yeah. 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 I like the oil rig scene. It yeah. Like it was really good for character building. Wasn't quite clear whether he was fully powered at that point. Yeah. And, I don't know that he really knew his own limits, and so like when he did that, I don't think he knew whether it was really going to work. And obviously, based on the you know, getting passed out at the end of the scene, he obviously like went up to his limits, you know. And so I thought that was a good scene because he was, you know, he was courageous, you know, not really understanding what he was doing, but doing you know the right thing. So I thought that was a good scene for, you know, because it kind of did that whole character development pretty fast to get him to adulthood, and that was a good scene along the way to. Show some How cool is it that Superman would try to save those people even if he didn't know he could? You yeah. know, like that's that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's a great scene. Yep. I kind of like the, the, the entire sequence where he's not Superman yet, but he's just doing good things. He's just saving people because he's doing things. Um, and I think of it as almost the flip side of what you said earlier about how you couldn't tell if he was Clark Kent or mm. Superman pretending to be who. Yeah. And I think that sequence kind of helped with that mm -hmm. in that you saw him progressing. He's not Superman yet. He doesn't have a costume. He doesn't have an identity. He's just doing things to help people. And you see that like progression into Superman. As when he was a Superboy, when he saved um, his um, peers in front of the bus and all that. Oh yeah, oh, oh, we didn't even talk about him saving <laughs> Pete Ross in that bus sequence. Uh, that's one of the best, when young Clark Kent, um, uh, goes into uh, into the water to kind of save the bus, and he pushes the bus, and that Hans Zimmer score uh, comes in. And um, I, I love that sequence because even though Pete Pete Ross and some of those kids on the bus had previously been calling him names and been bullying him on the bus, 
Clark still saved that kid's life. It reflected the bar scene too. Yeah. Oh yeah. The guy was a yeah. jerk. Yeah. And then oh, he messed up. That instead of beating him to the ground, he you know messed with his truck. <laughs> well, that guy had been drinking too, so really he saved him a DUI. Yeah. So he, he was just he was getting him off the road essentially. But <laughs> yeah. Yes, he did. And so then he learns down the later. Okay, I'm gonna keep it cool inside and out, and not do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, you have to learn. You're not going to be Superman day one. Like, you got to figure it out. Um, I guess uh, since we're kind of uh, getting close to time, I was curious about everybody's thoughts um, because we're now 10 years out of Man of Steel. Uh, it's been 10 years later. And I've noticed that Zack Snyder films uh, tend to have a different perception of them uh, about 10 years later. Um, uh, when Watchmen had its 10th anniversary on, uh, in 2019, I saw a lot of articles that were like, Zack Snyder's uh, Watchmen is actually a really great film. It's like, yeah, I knew that 10 years ago. Um, so that, that tends to happen with Zack Snyder films. People are not, it's like, a, it's like Superman. They're not quite ready for him yet. Um, so, uh, so I'm curious about everybody's thoughts. Like, do you talk to your friends about it? Have they changed opinions? And, you know, have you heard about that? Um, and how do you think that the film holds up today, 10 years later? Does it still hold up? So I guess I'll, I'll pass it to Charles first. Do you, do you think Man of Steel holds up 10 years, 10 years later? Oh yes, oh yes, most definitely. As a matter of fact, when I saw the reviews and I, when I uh, compared it to what I really felt inside, uh, <laughs> I made a funny quote saying, Man of Steel was the super movie we deserve, but not quite the one we need right now. I, I, I got that from The Dark Knight. I felt kind of accurate. But um, yeah, I, I think it was still hold up because it did something different, you know, that. Like, I think it broke the Superman trend of trying to be like, oh, jolly and happy. And, um, uh, and, I, and the one we picked for Reed did have a few um, sad moments, but I believe Man of Steel. And um, it's so the reality that life ain't life or sunshine rainbows. With that said, there will be a light at the end of the tunnel, you know. Back when um, Clark Kent, a young Clark Kent, was being bullied, and um, and he felt, um, and people were gossiping, and the little kids were gossiping about him, and um, and and back to what you were saying earlier, back when like he found the strength to save this one. Uh, uh, these kids who were uh, bullying him, you know, I've seen that sort of the strength of character. Now people complain that okay, I don't mean, but I don't really know how who who Clark Kent is. Well, I this is probably it's probably not really a good explanation, but you know, I, if you look at his parents who are Christian, you know, I think that helps to explain why he is the way he is, why he helps people, you know, and um. I might be wrong, but I feel like that plays a part into who he is. So um, I, I will. So um, I remember like, um, and I remember like when the movie first came out. I like constantly. I was like rewatching it. Like even when I was having a bad day, I'd watch it and I feel better. So yeah, I'm, I, I, I definitely think that this, this is easily one of the greatest under most underrated movies that that I've seen. That's so interesting to hear your perspective on that, to say that uh, when you're having a bad day, watching it makes you feel better. Because um, not too long after Man of Steel came out, about six months uh, later, I was diagnosed with stage three of her two positive breast cancer. And so I went through chemo, radiation, surgeries, all that stuff. 
and um, I had Man of Steel on back then. I had you know DVDs, and I hadn't progressed to Blu-rays by that point. But I watched it when I would go to bed because it was like comfort food, you know, a metaphorical comfort food to me because um, it made me. Um, you know, some days it was kind of hard to sleep, and so that kind of like lulled me into like a comfort place, um, and it made me feel better that you know Superman saves the world and you know, makes everything better. Um, and so that that's funny. It, I think it's interesting that the two of us, at least, have had that uh, situation because a lot of people claim that Man of Steel is dark, that it's gloomy, that it's grim, but there's actually like that's to me that's where you find the hope in something is that if you have this dark place, but then you overcome it. That's where the hope is. Um, and so that's really cool to hear your story on that and, and to know that that at least inspired you and made you feel better. Because um, I think that's the, um, the thing that I connect to with Man of Steel. So thank you for sharing that. Um, uh, does anybody have any, I guess, last thoughts about how the film will age well? Or has it aged yeah. well? Um, I guess in the, the back? Yes. Um, I lost my dad in 2013, and I'm when I did see it months after, it did give me hope and everything. And um, it definitely made me feel better about life and whatnot. And in with about um, uh, Watchmen, I saw that in the theater and had that on theory as well. Yeah, well, I'm glad that that helped you kind of get through that um, part with your your father passing away. So I'm sorry to hear that, but Man of Steel is actually a great. A um, movie about dads and sons. Um, so I hope you watch that and, and think about your dad. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I left, when I first saw it ten years ago, I thought it was a really, really good Superman movie. But you know, as I got older and all, I started to study more movie critiques and started studying films and all. So, and so when I finally did saw it uh, again, over and over, uh, I like it. But you know, there's no denying it does have its problems. You, you can't. You have to admit it's not a perfect film. It's not like it's not, it's not like, uh, and I still enjoy, I will admit, I just guess it's it's because, you know, I just guess the, it was just poor timing, I guess, because, you know, it's just like, Man of Steel just felt like a little too much like Batman Begins to kind of like, they're like the whole dark, and I get why people think that, you know, you just came out of Dark Knight Rises, now you have Man of Steel, no, you know, this just felt like, oh, uh, this is too much like bad, uh, like Christopher Nolan's uh, take on the Dark Knight Church, trying to be more realistic, dark, you know, but, you know, I get what you, why people like it, you know, and, and I, I do enjoy it. It's just you know, it's just you know. And over time, I'm sure it, people will grow to to like uh, to like it. But you know, but as long as you know, you have all these other comic book films that you know that are like other interpretations that people feel like, oh, this is how the, the true version of Superman and all, and or you know, or all these characters and all, you know, it's like Man of Steel will still people will still remember Man of Steel. Just you know, it just uh, you know. It will, either people will just love it or they just don't like it. That's 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 all it is. Even, even if somebody, I'm of the opinion, even if somebody hates your film, at least they're talking about it. Yeah. You know, the worst the worst thing you can be as a filmmaker is make a film that is just forgotten and thrown into the void. Um, so uh, no, I don't. I agree. I don't think uh, Man of Steel is a perfect film. Uh, the only thing I really don't like about it is the dialogue between Superman and Lois when they kiss. Yeah. I'm like, that, that doesn't even make sense from her perspective. They could have just not said anything. That's the only thing I'd probably change about it. So no, I don't think they it's a perfect the film. First, it always goes downhill after the. Yeah, first it's kill. it's stupid dialogue. Uh, that would be the only thing I would change. Just have them kiss. It's fine. Um, so, so uh, they're very rare, perfect films. Um, uh, so a, a lot of films, like 
you know, that I love, they're not perfect either, but I still love them. Um, so I think that there uh, is, is something to that. Yeah, in the back. I think, it, yeah, it will. It'll pair well with more so in uh, Christopher Nolan's um, Batman. Like, I see that just in age, more so than the, the rest of the universe, or that part of the universe, uh, Batman. So yeah, I think uh, between the, no the Batman, Dark we call it Dark Knight, and Man of Steel, I can see those pairings just over the course of the next 20 plus years being referred back to in things like these. Yeah, what I think is so interesting about now, the, the current time that we're in with these DC films, like we're, we're heading into the Flash movie that's coming up, <laughs> whether people like it or not, it's happening. Um, but uh, the Flash movie is going to be heavily taking from Man of Steel. General Zod we saw in the trailer. We saw yeah. the world engine in the trailer. And I've always held the opinion of if we just waited long enough, people would have a nostalgia for Henry Cavill and that version of Superman. And I think, we're, in my opinion, we're seeing that now. I, I am very curious, even though I'm very nervous about the Flash movie, I'm very curious what people's reactions will be when they see General Zod when we get to the Flash movie, are they going to be excited to see that stuff again? Because it's basically going to be repeating some of the same sequences. Um, so the nostalgia factor, I think, is kicked in now, um, 10 years on. And so I think it's really interesting that now we're starting to see people, or I am anyway, I shouldn't speak for everybody, but I'm starting to see people excited about Man of Steel because they're seeing it sort of revisited. Um, so. Uh, thank you, everybody, for sharing all of your thoughts. Um, one of the things that came... Oh, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so, uh, I, I saw Black Adam, right? So, like, the ending, the ending cutscene of Black Adam, right. you know, they actually had the guy come mm -hmm. back to play that. Yes. I'm bad with names. I'm sorry. No, him, that was Henry Cavill. Yeah. 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 Right. He came back and played. I was like, oh, snap! And I heard, I heard, I heard that uh, the Wayne uh, Rock yeah. fought for him. He they did. Wasn't, he did. They, yeah, because they wasn't gonna let him, you know. And it was like, doesn't matter what you think. And then they, they let him. They let him play. I, I think, I think uh, uh, Dwayne Johnson <laughs> understands how people would be excited about Superman fighting. And I was. And, and I was. When yeah, I saw that. Awesome. Only for you know, only seen him one last time. Yeah. Well. Um, uh, I'll just um, uh, leave you with uh, something that I saw from a Rotten Tomatoes interview after Man of Steel came out. Uh, one of the people who actually worked for uh, Rotten Tomatoes, which you know gave it a bad uh, rating because the per percentages with art criticism is so stupid, I can't stand it. Um, but uh, the woman who worked for Rotten Tomatoes said, I don't know what everybody's saying. It's a good movie. Um, so I'll leave you with that. Thank you for all for sharing your thoughts and I hope you have a great, great rest of your day. I Do love not typing. mess with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? It's becoming a human burrito, a plus or a minus. I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther Boardroom or Ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this show. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. It's so fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Yeah.